Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to Season 4 of Parent Talk, where we strive to parent authentically and continue to grow alongside our children. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle, mom of two. We are broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area, and we're proud to provide the most up-to-date expert information for today's parent. Our goal is to inspire you become a more confident, peaceful, and authentic parent. I'm, of course, with my co-host. Hi, Heather. Hello, everyone. Yes, Heather Fox here, co-host of Parent Talk. Oh, my goodness. We all know that parenting is a journey and one that we don't want to be taking alone. So that's why we are here. We are here to be your village and here to support you. And we're going to all be listening and learning. And of course, sometimes asking for help together. We're going to get through this with our community and make it a stronger supporting you guys all the way from pregnancy to puberty and beyond. Awesome. Yes. So today we're talking about picky eating versus problem feeding. And we're excited to have with us uh, Becca Yu. Becca is a speech and language pathologist, founder and owner of Citadel Speech and Language Services, and a mom of two. So welcome, Becca. Welcome to Parent Talk Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you. So let's do it. So first question for you, what is picky eating versus problem feeding? Well, picky eating, you probably see it all the time, you know, lots of moms ask. um, But the definition of problem eating for me as a professional is that it's usually developmental, um, and that there's no risk for uh, nutritional deficiencies. It's often something that's grow, uh, you'll grow out of or a child will grow out of with time, patience, consistency, and repeated exposure. Um, Usually we see it start developing maybe around one and a half or two years old. um, And um, they will grow out of it over time, um, if given, um, again, time patience, consistency, and exposure. Yeah, so actually for me, my little one, um, Hudson, he is now almost four, but when we first started feeding him solids, um, he was so excited, but he kept spitting them out. And it was basically that reflex to spit everything out, but then he couldn't keep it in. And everybody else is going along with their little ones and they're eating fine. And Hudson's still spitting everything out, but wanting so bad to eat everything. And, um, and we finally realized, yeah, that it was after going to the doctor and the pediatrician that it was to do with that reflex. It hadn't moved back when it was supposed to. And so there was a delay with him eating Mm -hmm. and stuff. And yeah, so he didn't truly start his solids until about 11, almost 12 months old. So yeah, I do remember that. It was, I was like, what's going on? He seems excited to eat. I don't think he's picky. (laughs) He has a smile on his face, but yeah, I definitely remember that being that problem. It wasn't a picky thing. (laughs) So what about those milestones when we're, our little ones are getting ready to eat? What are we looking for with those early milestones for eating? Well, usually um, there's a range uh, between four and six months is usually what's recommended to start solids. 
Um, but there's a number of different things that we want to look out for to make sure that the uh, kids are ready to eat. So we want them to be able to sit unassisted. So be able to sit up on their own. They're not super wobbly, um, have some good head control. Um, and also, as you talked about, that tongue thrust reflex uh, should be gone. So their tongue um, doesn't naturally go forward and do a forward motion, um, which is what they need to nurse and use a bottle. But once they start solids, like you said, the food just keeps getting pushed out if it's still there. Um, so we need that reflex to be gone in order to be able to successfully eat. Um, and the last thing is to show interest in food. So when you see babies start to reach out and kind of yell at you to try to get your food, <laughs> then um, those are signs that they're ready to start solid. Awesome. So who should we contact if we have concerns, if we're not sure what's happening and we think, you know, like, uh, we don't know what to do anymore? Um, well, there's a number of professionals to um, contact to kind of rule out if there is a concern. So I usually um, recommend that families go check in with their family doctor first, uh, do a check for their weight and their height, see if there's any allergies, um, and also check to see if there's nutritional deficiencies. So if they're iron deficient um, or anything like that, that uh, would be a cause for concern. Um, if there is anything, you may also wanna consult a dietitian to make sure that they're eating enough and, and they're getting the right nutrients. Now, if there isn't anything kind of physiological that's preventing them from eating, so they don't have acid reflux um, or anything else that's bothering them like constipation, um, then uh, you may want to consult a feeding therapist. And a feeding therapist could be um, a speech language pathologist like myself, uh, occupational therapists also get training in feeding therapy um, and some behavior analysts as well. Um, none of us as professionals, when we come out of school are um, have a wide range of training in this. So this is actually something that we need to learn um, through continuing education. Yeah, I was actually one of the things that was re recommended to us if Hudson was still having trouble after a little while, but we managed to get him onto eating. I remember actually Jen and Alistair were very involved in helping. We're, we're going to get this done. Hudson. Well, and you got to celebrate every bite, you know, because actually your son was just not eating, right? So, and it's not because he was picky. He was just no. like, I was, it was just part of development, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, but we, yeah. we managed to get him eating and he was good. And then again, um, his speech was, it was funny because his speech ended up being delayed that same three to four months. And then he caught right up. So <laughs> it was interesting. I was like, oh, okay. Because we ended up seeing his speech service just to make sure that he was going to be on track and he'd actually caught on up. And I was like, okay, that was the same little delay he had. <laughs> I know. That's, so, that's the thing, thing about kids. They develop at their own time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then his sister, no problem. She was like chowing down <laughs> six months. <laughs> like, oh, that's how it's supposed to work. There we go. <laughs> oh, dear. No, snaps. There are so many. And I remember with Hudson, like there were so many that we were trying and some have a good rep, some have a bad rep. So, I mean, we hear about also, you know, with the teeth and stuff, but how does it affect the palate and speech and all that development? So what's the scoop? <laughs> Well, sippy cups, it, it's always so funny because I remember going into the aisle as a new mom too. And, you know, I've already been a professional. I've been trained in this. And you go into the aisle and it's like, okay, 
this one is for this age range. There's this stage, there's that one, there's hard ones, there's soft ones, there's straws. And it's so confusing. Um, and so I looked it up at that point because as a parent, I, I was confused. So, you know, when I looked it up, there's actually um, nothing that is um, related to stages. And when I checked my research in my textbooks, it said the same thing that um, there really isn't stages. And a sippy cup was invented to minimize spillage. It has nothing to do with development. Um, so, you know, back to my schooling, when I went back um, and looked at it again, then um, I realized that, okay, we it's still, we wanted to use an open cup um, or we want to use a straw cup and um, that's what's developmentally appropriate. So, you know, there are somewhat leak proof cups that um, are similar to open cups and there's definitely lots of options for straw cups to use. Um, and um, by using those two uh, different types of cups, it helps that tongue thrust motion continue to decrease too because we want the tongue to move back when we're swallowing food. Um, and uh, a sippy cup has a very similar motion to a bottle. So it actually continues to um, uh, facilitate that motion of pushing your tongue forward. Um, so, you know, even though they can be great because they're leak proof, there's other options out there. And my recommendation would really to be ditch those sippy cups and, and look for something that is uh, better for development of the teeth um, and the oral structures. Um, and like you said, you know, it can affect those things. It may not necessarily for every single child, but it um, can play uh, a factor of moving teeth and uh, different structures in the mouth, which could eventually uh, impact um, how they speak in the speech sounds. Mm, interesting. I was wondering about those sippy cups. As a as a dental hygienist, you know, like uh, mouth development is something I'm interested in too. And um, yeah, I was. It's like it's like when you have a bottle in your mouth all the time, you can have some changes, um, like an open bite. We call sometimes when when the, the kids are really sucking on their bottle, specifically overnight, and then the speech. You probably know what I'm talking about, Becca, right? The speech can change a little bit from a lift or from the space that is sometimes so big between the two arches, right? So I was wondering about sippy cup, if it's sometimes it could happen. I've seen it with bottles. I've seen it with thumbs, you know, quite often, but bottles um, sippy cup could probably be a problem when it's actually like, especially when the kids are really, um, I would say addicted to it. I've seen actually some kids walking around with their sippy cups in their mouth all the time, you know, almost hold it between their teeth, you know? Like yeah, sport, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I do notice that. And it's something that I will recommend for families, you know, if they're not drinking from it to put it down, like you said, if they're holding on to it, they have to use quite a bit of suction usually. Mm -hmm. And that can change oral structures. Um, I usually relate it because especially in my generation, a lot of people had braces and some people, myself, my, my uh, after braces, I didn't really need a retainer. It didn't really move my teeth. Um, but then my brother, he could go an hour without his retainer and his teeth have shifted so much he can barely get his retainer in. And so, you know, the two of us are very different in that if I had my thumb in my mouth, maybe it wouldn't move things around as much or as quickly, whereas for him, it might change structures a lot. So it, we're taking a risk by having it in there all the time. So when it, it's not needed, it's recommended to to take it out so that they can utilize their mouth for eating and for talking and all those other good things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and welcome the 
the spillage of the <laughs> of the sippy, <laughs> not the sippy, of the cup, you know, like oh yeah, they'll, you'll pick up water a little bit more, but it's good for them, right? So yeah. So now, uh, Becca, I want to talk about food pouches. So what about the pores and cons of, of food pouches? Very popular right now, right? Well, yes, they are very popular. And they're popular because they're really easy to pack. They're really convenient. And there's no mess. Um, but the cons of it in terms of food development, in terms of oral motor development, is that it doesn't really allow kids to explore food, which is a really big part of learning to eat. Um, you may have heard of, you know, food before one is just for fun. Um, and it's fun in the sense that we don't want kids to, uh, we, oh, sorry, we don't need kids to consume the food. It doesn't need to get in their belly, but it's really important for them to explore their food so that they learn about different tastes, different textures. Um, and uh, with food pouches, not only they can't play with their food, they can't really see their food. Um, a lot of times, even um, ones that have no sugar added are quite Sweet because the predominant ingredient is apples or pears. Um, and that is something that um, they start relying on. They don't really get the taste of the kale or the spinach or every, anything else that could be in there. Uh, <laughs> you know, all those good things. So um, kids uh, end up relying on that sweetness and get kind of addicted to that sweetness. Um, and just like um, sippy cups, um, they also can impact the development of, of teeth and the oral structures um, because they hold it in their mouth for a long time. They're sucking on it for a long time. And depending on how many they have in a day, you know, that's a lot of um, keeping that type of um, nozzle or mouthpiece in their mouth. Mm -hmm. So Becca, do you have any words right. of wisdom uh, for any parents out there that are having problems feeding their kids? Um, well, the important pieces about feeding is to relax and to um, try to offer a variety of food consistently and regularly. Uh, be really patient because uh, exposure to food usually takes about 10 to 15 times before most people can really decide if they like a food. Um, so encourage trying and not necessarily eating and getting it into their bellies. Um, one thing I tell my Sons, um, is that you know it's okay if you don't like it um, but let's try it um, so you know if you give it a try then um, that's all I'm asking and uh, that's really helped them I have kind of like you Heather I have one really great eater and one that for the longest time I was wondering how he sustained himself um, because he could go for <laughs> meals and meals at a time without eating and so you know that's something that I had to tell myself a lot um, even with training is you know it's okay if you don't eat that just try it um, yes. when we're looking at food for young children we're really looking at um, what they consume over a couple days or even a week um, so from meal to meal it's okay if they don't get all the food groups um, and for picky eaters you know they they will eventually eat um, they won't starve themselves whereas uh, problem feeders uh, which may have an underlying medical issue uh, may, may be at risk for malnutrition so definitely go seek the medical attention to rule those things out um, before kind of holding strong and just letting them try and um, you know maybe they skip 
a meal or something. Um, so um, just be very patient and consistent and just keep offering and making it fun. Awesome. So Becca, we can find you on our panel of expert at parenttalk.ca. Where else can we find you? Um, well, I have a website. It's citadelslp.ca. Um, and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, you can find me at either Citadel Speech or Citadel SLP. Awesome. Well, Heather and I want to thank you, Becca, for taking the time to be here and bring so much value to all of us parents helping us grow and be the best parents we can be. So for our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and now soon on YouTube at Parent Talk TV. So of course, you can always subscribe directly to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we're inviting you to share it on your social media. So as we all know, parenting can be hard sometimes. Remember, it's important to laugh, keep learning, cherish your village and be true to yourself. Thank you for listening and have a great week. Bye. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.